said it. Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the official podcast for people who would absolutely try and catch a flight to the North Pole on Christmas Eve. Of course you can do that. And that's where we're headed today as we do the monkey back to 2001 for an out-of-order dive into a Johnny Bravo Christmas. I am former blonde pompadour haver until my wife said she liked my hair better short, Mike Westfall. And joining me, flying through the skies above the Arctic with his magic umbrella, please welcome James Riley. Hello, James. Hey, Mike. Good to have you on. Now, this is one you requested, specifically this one. Why is this your go-to Christmas special when you wanted to talk to me about most? So, to be perfectly honest, I, like, this, Johnny Bravo is just, like, one of the funniest, I think, of the first wave, if you're going to call it that, first wave Cartoon Network originals. Yeah. I think. Um, It's just, (laughs) I mean, there's so much in there it's it's one of those places that like kind of built up a lot of talent that went on later to conquer the world essentially yeah Um, like i'm sure you picked up seth mcfarlane especially started here Mm -hmm. um and in fact this show is where he met adam west oh really yeah Yeah, like adam west who actually um narrated the very first part the, the the first uh uh Johnny Bravo Christmas, which was, there's actually two. So those first is uh, a a portion of an episode called Twas the Night. It's like a, it's a poem that um, is basically read and interacted with. It's like a, it's told in in basically a rhyme style. Right. By narrated by Adam West. Yes. Twas the night before Christmas and all through Aaron city, not a creature was stirring except Johnny. Man, I'm pretty. (laughs) It's it's hilarious. It it plays off of whatever was going on in the show at the time, um, touches base with all the little things like, for example, the character Little Susie, mm-hmm. um, and the other character on the on, like on one of the side characters, Jungle Boy, who he runs into at certain points. Um, it, it it basically touches base with all the Johnny Bravo universe things going on at that point, um, and it ends with it it, it start, well it starts with. <laughs> Santa Claus is up on the roof. Johnny hears him and assumes the burglar. It's yeah. Christmas Eve, so of course it's Santa Claus. He knocks him out, breaks his arm. <laughs> and Santa's <laughs> like, you can't do that. You've basically got to go take care of the rest of the list now. So Johnny hops on there, gets all the reindeer's names wrong, and they all hear it too. <laughs> so they're all flying around listening to like, I can't believe you. <laughs> so, so um he flies around the world um takes care of finishing up the list and what i've what i find a, a particularly uh funny was uh uh he winds up giving scooby-doo his present and okay. scooby's awake at like 12 o'clock <laughs> so go figure but scooby-doo's present is a <laughs> a free speech therapy lesson from the cindy brady speech therapy school <laughs> Oh, I missed that part. <laughs> uh, that was that was. I was just like, I don't believe this. <laughs> oh, so dear. it's it's one of those. But that's Johnny Bravo in general. You, if you sit there, it's one of those things that re, that rewards like repeat watching. And I love that sort of thing. My siblings and I have watched this a thousand times. We can 
like repeated to you cold, honestly. Um, <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, the, the, the full Christmas special, uh, well, the, the first one was the night ends with, you know, Johnny getting his present, which is this set of boxing gloves. Like, oh, this is pretty good, you know, but there's a note in there from Santa Claus. It's like basically round two is next year. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that picks up near the end of the special, but we'll get to that, you know, and that, it, oddly enough, it actually was the night is takes place is aired in 97. And, right. You know, the full Johnny Bravo Christmas didn't air till 2001. So it's like, that's a pretty long year right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's the continuity we're dealing with. Also, I will say that in that first was the night segment, we're mostly going to be talking about like the full length Christmas special, but I did have it in my notes farther down and I'll bring it up here. The good news for Johnny when he has to take over Santa's job is he probably lives on the West Coast. So Santa's more than 75 percent done by then. We really only see him making stops elsewhere in his own city and wherever Scooby-Doo lives. But after that, there's what? Alaska, Hawaii, the rest of the Pacific Islands. And that's it. He got off easy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I also very quickly and very deeply embraced Cartoon Network when I first got it. I want to say 1996. This started in 97. So quick history. This is Johnny Bravo was the second of Cartoon Network's cartoon cartoons to become a series in 1997 after Dexter's Laboratory. Johnny Bravo was created by Van Partible who was one of only two cartoonists to get a job with Hanna-Barbera fresh out of college. The other was Seth MacFarlane. And Seth did his own uh, 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 submission for Cartoon Cartoon, which if you watch it today, you can definitely see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it basically is Family Guy, but like, okay for Cartoon Network. Right, it's a PG-rated Family Guy, but you you can see the roots kind of set in it's narrated by what eventually becomes brian and the character who eventually becomes peter is there but other than that it's its own beast but it's like watching that first south park with with frosty and it's super crude but you can see kind of the beginning of an idea absolutely uh van partable is currently directing an animated series starring pete the cat the children's book character, not Disney's Pete. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime for those interested. But but yeah, Johnny Bravo, I didn't really latch on to him as much as the other shows. Cartoon Planet was my favorite of that introductory bunch. No contest. <laughs> well, yeah, Cartoon Planet was like, that was, again, the, I guess, kid-friendly Space Ghost version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it kind of... I don't know. I guess Space Ghost Coast to Coast was the uh, the more mature one, but Cartoon Planet added Brack, and everybody loves Brack. Watched a lot of Powerpuff Girls, watched a lot of Ed, Ed, and Eddie, but I appreciate oh, yeah. Johnny Bravo. Maybe related to him a little too much. <laughs> Infatuated with my own hair, bad at talking to women, and would have absolutely <laughs> forgotten to mail my mother's and my letters to Santa Claus until Christmas Eve, which is where we find ourselves in this special. Johnny seems to be Johnny's mother seemed to be team. Let's do Christmas decorations the day of, which I I never got that. I mean, 
I have a very early faint memory of my parents maybe doing that. But what I'm really remembering is watching video recordings from 1984 and it's super dark. And the next thing after that video is Christmas morning. So maybe it was on Christmas Eve. Maybe it was the week before. We'll never know. But but no, the, the Christmases I remember, the latest they would decorate and put up the tree and everything is halfway through December. Yeah, no, my 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 family um as I'm sure you picked up on from my ramblings on Twitter a lot, I'm sure. But uh we were homeschooled. So right. we we basically made made up the rules for when the seasons actually happened. Okay. Um That's <laughs> we, we 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 could have said, you know, we could celebrate Independence Day all month of July. You know, for example, mm-hmm. but we, what we tended to do was say, okay, um, the entire month of October we prepare for Halloween. The entire month of uh, you know uh, November we wrap up our schoolwork and take care of like doing preparations for Thanksgiving. Um, and we were all done our schoolwork, and we were we could. Mom looked at basically like the usually the week before Thanksgiving and said, you know what. Put the books away. We'll come back to this afterwards. <laughs> and afterwards always tended to be around MLK. So yeah. for us, basically Christmas goes from Black Friday straight through till MLK. And it was just constant. Like, you know, we spent the first initial weekend Black Friday and through, through what is now Cyber Monday to grabbing all the things out of storage, getting all the lights up, getting all the tree taken care of. You know, we, we'd alternate some years back and forth between the real tree and the artificial tree. Um, we eventually, because some of some of my brothers and sisters tended to have allergic reactions to real trees, oh, yeah. we eventually switched over to, like, artificial entirely. So. Yeah, that's what we do, because between my wife and I, we're allergic to everything outdoors. So we are firmly on Team Fake Tree for those reasons now. And I think that has a lot to do with more and more people starting to decorate early you can't do that with a real tree so that's where you would get those kind of middle to late december decorating so i can understand that but absolutely you got a fake tree you can get it out as soon as halloween's over but (laughs) we don't do that we wait until the week of thanksgiving we get the whole week of thanksgiving off from school down here so that's when we start to get in the Christmas mode and take everything out of the garage and start putting it up. And that gives us a little more time. So we're not just trying to rush through it on Thanksgiving weekend, which is nice. But yeah, it looks like there are still boxes of decorations out all over. They decorate. Well, first off, let's back up. A Johnny Bravo Christmas. This uh, is a full length, 23 minute Christmas special that aired in between seasons three and four on December 7th, 2001. A date I double and triple checked because 30 seconds into it, Johnny, admiring himself in the mirror, calls the fire department and says, Hello, fire department. I just called to let you know that I am a bomb and I'm about to blow up. <laughs> Not even three yeah. months after 9-11 and we're doing bomb jokes. I'm, I know it was written before that. But it's Christmas Eve as this special opens, but it aired December 7th 
It's the Pearl Harbor Day after 9-11 and we're doing bomb jokes. Exactly. Yeah. I, looked, I, 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 I didn't pick up on that until like two or three years ago when I'm watching it. And I, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Did he actually <laughs> say that? I mean, yeah. dude. But, you know. But again, this was probably <sighs> written way before. Oh, sure. Absolutely. June, maybe. So nobody cared. But. And here's the part of the program where we gush over the sultry tones of Jeff Bennett as Johnny Bravo. Oh, Christmas gifts from Santa Claus, the kind you get for free. Oh, Christmas gifts, free Christmas gifts, all of them for me. How great it is to get free stuff. You've my free presents. Yeah, I mean... Jeff, uh, he, it's it, that's one of those things that like I've, as I've been watching, you know, more not only Johnny but like definitely other cartoons and such. At this point, I'm like, oh wait, that's him in this for this thing and that thing. Um, just to swerve off a little, but my, you know, my kids actually listened to uh, to your podcast. Yes. yes, you're the reason and I have to give warnings. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. First off, their favorite episode was the um, the Mickey's Once and Twice Upon a Christmas episodes. Oh, good. And they they were just the, the especially the the, the Turducken Hunger Games, which <laughs> my, my kids they they listen and they're like they know what the Hunger Games is. In fact, one of them has read the books several times. Okay. Just, he was just like dying. When he heard that. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, I had no idea that was, that was Jeff Bennett in there. And I'm like, Oh my God. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I'm like, the first thing I thought was Johnny Bravo was doing this. <laughs> oh, right. That's, that's yeah. Who was he? He was Mortimer, right? In once upon a Christmas. I believe, yeah, I believe so. He was, Mortimer, yeah. well, he was doing a Frank Nelson voice. Yes. Yeah. But I can't even do it. But Jeff Bennett's not one that I can recognize immediately. Not yet, anyway. Like you can recognize a Rob Paulson impression. Cree Summer's a couple of voices in this special. I can immediately recognize Cree Summer. But I'm getting there with Jeff Bennett and a few others. Dee Bradley Baker's a few voices in here, but his most famous thing is he makes platypus noises, so I can't really recognize them yet. And I had no idea he was he was Perry. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here he's doing his Elvis impression, described as somewhere between the younger and the older Elvis. I think he sounds more like your friend's doofus older brother doing an Elvis impression, but is really into getting it right. I mean, that makes sense. That's yeah. you know, he, he's not over the he, he isn't too over the top, but he's like just believable enough, you know? Yeah. No, it's it's a good voice. Uh, and it's perfect for the character of Johnny Bravo. Like it's just it just fits him perfectly. So, and his mother Bunny is played by Brenda Vaccaro. I don't know what it is. I- I'm just not feeling that feng shui. The voice of Jay Sherman's ex-wife Ardeth on the Critic. <laughs> I've talked about her before. Uh, she was in Nestor the Long-Eared Christmas Donkey as Tilly the Cherub. Nestor's Heavenly Guide to Bethlehem. Here she's a bit older than she was in the mid-1970s. She's Johnny's mama. 
And she goes all out with the Christmas decorating, even though it's Christmas Eve, like the outside of her house is packed with stuff. That giant lit billboard sized sign in front on the roof that reads Merry Christmas from the Bravos. There's a nativity scene surrounded by a train set because time is meaningless. A Ferris wheel, a volcano spouting lava, which I want now. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the outside of the house that that. That is what I've been aiming for with my own house <laughs> right now. Like I'm moving to a, like a bigger house and I'm going to go all out. Like my wife understands. It's like, this is going to happen. This is going to be basically like Johnny Bravo meets national lampoon on the outside of the house with every possible decoration I could find. You know? <laughs> we actually decorate pretty sparsely, pretty modestly, but we're still building up. I don't think I'm going to get or even want to get anywhere near the Bravo household. I don't like inflatables. I like them on other people's lawns. I just don't want any on mine. But no, this is fantastic for their aesthetic inside and out. Inside her house, she can't quite decide where to put the tree. So she calls for Johnny to help. She ultimately gives up for the time being and assigns Johnny the task of cleaning underneath the couch cushions where he finds, among other things, loose chains, naturally, a dog I don't think we've ever seen before. That's one of the Cree Summer voices. Finally! You people need to clean more! Yeah, I don't. I, I think that was just thrown in there for the heck of it to say, okay, you, you really got a messy house. Yeah. I don't remember ever seeing that dog before or after on that show. No. <laughs> uh, an uneaten hoagie, which he then eats. <laughs> I mean, depending on. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and justify it because I would never do that myself. And if I found something that I, the first thing I do would be throwing the trash. But a guy like Johnny, he's in college, likely, or college age, or just mm-hmm. after that. You find something like that, it looks like it's okay. Passes a smell test. <laughs> you see the little squiggly lines going above it, but it, the sandwich looks in better shape than Homer Simpson's sandwich. Uh, exactly. But my problem is it doesn't look like there was even a bite out of it. I'm calling shenanigans about that. Completely uneaten sandwiches don't just disappear under the couch like that. Food found in couches is almost at always at least half consumed. Right. Which is which makes sense also, because it's like, OK, if it's if it's if Johnny is around the age we think he is, he's not really going to be leaving food around. No, it's not. It's going to be like more of a food desert than anything yes, else. Right. <laughs> James, what's the worst thing you found under your couch or in your couch? Oh, uh, I want to say. Ooh, bugs. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Bugs. That's mine. Worst thing I found <laughs> under my couch is an entire civilization of ants. That was a fun. Oh, one. yeah. Uh, yeah, that no, we found. Um, I, I don't even remember what kind of bug it was, but we just like found it and I was like, nope. I, I sat down and I'm like, what is this thing? Like, it feels like there's something on my arm. And I, it was like, it wasn't even a couch. Oh, it was like a, one of those like rocking, like regular big puffy chairs. Oh yeah. And I sat down and I'm like, what is, what, what's going on here? And I, like, I look over to the side of the thing and there's like this whole like thing of, I might've been ants, but I'm looking, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I picked the thing up and I dragged it right out to the front of the house. I'm like, nope, this is done. <laughs> you know what? Nature, you won. You took this one. You're all set. Free couch, nature. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
And lastly, in Johnny's couch, he finds his and Mama's undelivered letters to Santa, which he accidentally left there while watching an episode of I Am Woman, featuring kung fu chicks, weightlifting women, and the season's hottest looks. (laughs) So it's off to the post office on Christmas Eve, and this isn't the first Christmas special that shows someone trying to snail mail a letter to Santa Claus on Christmas Eve from the United States. And it's not the last, but it's one of the few instances that sets realistic expectations about deadlines. If you expect to send a letter to the North Pole by Christmas Eve night, you should also expect to be laughed at by your entire local post office. Absolutely. (laughs) Hey, everybody! This guy thinks we can deliver his letters to Santa Claus by the night! So I looked it up. What would you guess is the latest date you can ship something through U.S. mail and assure it's delivered by Christmas Eve? I would say December 15th. Okay, you're actually pretty close. Uh, It was, let's say Santa's workshop counts as very, very North Canada. In 2019, the absolute deadline to mail something from the continental United States to Canada and ensure an on-time Christmas Eve delivery was December 16th. So, wow, yeah. Going through U.S. mail isn't happening. Uh, and sulking on the walk back home, he runs into his neighbor, little Susie. Look, kid, do you mind? I- I'm trying to think here. About what? I need to figure out a way to get my free presents from Santa. Why? Have you been naughty? No. Oh, I forgot to mail mine and Mama's letters to Santa Claus. Oh, man. How sad. Voiced by Mae Whitman, whom I don't think we've talked about yet. Do you recognize Mae Whitman from anything else? The voice, I know I've heard that voice other places. I've just, I've seen so many cartoons at this point that... It's probably going to be a fog somewhere there. <laughs> well, she's probably best known from Arrested Development, I want to say. Really? I didn't watch Parenthood, but she was in that. Yeah, she was uh, George Michael's one girlfriend. Like the really, really religious one. Oh, gotcha. And because I have daughters, I know her best as the voice of Tinkerbell. <laughs> uh, but she was also April O'Neil in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot that started in 2012. Really? Yes. No, I so I watched that one. I never picked up on that. What the? That's seriously. That's <laughs> well. She was a little older then. Oh yeah. yeah. She uh, she's oh, early thirties now. I would say. Well, she's maybe five years older than Susie, right? I mean, yeah. She yeah. She's supposed to be like a teenager. Which I what the hell, Dude, guys? <laughs> but <laughs> here she's Johnny's obnoxiously cute neighbor who tries multiple times to tell him, "Hey, just email Santa." I know his email address. She says that a couple of times, and Johnny stops and goes, I know. Dramatic pause. (laughs) I'll hand deliver them to Santa myself. Leave it to Johnny. I thought it was going to be one of those jokes where he repeats back what she just said, like it was his own idea. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it played off of. Like, but... You know, of course, leave it to Johnny to find like the worst possible way to do something. <laughs> oh yeah, he comes up with worse ideas. Here I'm expecting, oh Smee, what a superb idea I've just had. <laughs> but then it turns out Susie has Santa's address, not his post office box, but his home address. 
makes a difference in this universe because no one can agree on whether Santa lives in a bustling polar village or in a single building in the middle of a frozen wasteland. Uh, and Susie agrees to give Johnny Santa's address on the condition that she gets to go with him. So it's off to the airport now, which apparently had 24 different departing flights to the North Pole. All but one of which has already left, which makes for a funny dramatic gag. But that's a lot of flights to any one place on Christmas Eve, let alone the North Pole, where Santa usually isn't on Christmas Eve. And I live in Orlando, and I think that's a lot. Yeah, I mean... Do you think it's a hot tourist bucket list item to watch Santa leave on Christmas Eve? Maybe that's what people are doing? That's likely. I mean... I can't think of any other reason because right after they look at the little gag with the screen, they, they pan to the entire airport full of people who are obviously going to be just as disappointed as Johnny. Yeah. Because none of them are fitting on that plane. And you see like a wide gamut, like a lot of people. You've got like sailors, you've got all kinds of like. <laughs> are they in line for that flight or are, are they just Is that just a ticketing line? You know, it they make it look like it is just the one line for that flight, but okay, it, yeah, it's possible they could just be going anywhere else. I don't know. It's just who knows. <laughs> They're all trying to see Santa leave the North Pole. It's like people gathering at the start of the Tour de France. That'd be fun. So of course they they decide to like sneak on. Yes, the uh, worst possible way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> So they decide to sneak on and stow away via the magical baggage claim conveyor belt. And of course, we get the old behind the scenes look at the Labyrinthian conveyor belt network that Toy Story 2 did it the year before this. And despite Johnny's hair sticking out of his suitcase, no one sees either of them among all the luggage dumped into the plane's cargo hold where our heroes emerge from what were apparently the suitcases of Scooby-Doo's Fred and Velma. Did you catch that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little longer than a blink and you'll miss it moment, but the hiding in a suitcase emerge in someone else's clothes joke. But they immediately have to run back into hiding as a security guard enters the cargo hold, having heard voices. They hide by taking the place of a lamp and an oscillating fan, and all we see is the guard point his flashlight at Johnny, turning his arm like a fan blade and blowing into the guard's face. <laughs> I mean, there there are a few few things more ridiculous than than that because it, it's one thing like to, to to it's it's to see that to see someone doing that and actually believe that they could be stupid enough, and I'm like, well, you know, PSA. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, it works. Because he's a dumb guard, as pointed out, by a random group of caged circus animals also stored in cargo, who helpfully heckle the guard out of the hold so our stowaways can safely come out of hiding. You're so dumb, I bet you couldn't even pass a blood test. <laughs> These animals aren't from some other episode, right? I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find them. No, I... I don't know where the heck these, these animals are from. And it, the shapes, the, the character drawings and things like that, it looks like it looks like almost that they were trying to dump in, you know, Hanna-Barbera older cartoons. Like the, the, the female tiger, I think, you know, looks almost like Snaggletooth. If you yeah. look at it. And the, the elephant has kind of a, you know, 
an old like an old old school like deep cut references but it it's one of those things that they may have been writing it they drew it out and they're like you know what maybe we can't get the rights for this or maybe this won't actually work <laughs> and then they just voiced it differently they threw a bow on the, the elephant drew a pink and there you go it could be like i thought like are they trying are they sitting marty croft characters i don't know but yeah that did that one did look like snagglepuss um but the leader, their de facto leader, seems to be an elephant, also voiced by Cree Summer. Finally, I get to talk about Cree Summer on here. I don't think I've really... <laughs> she hasn't been a character. She's been absent from a bunch of things I've talked about. Because she was the voice of Penny from Inspector Gadget, but not in that Christmas special. Right. Uh, she's also Elmira in Tiny Toon Adventures, Susie from Rugrats, and also that dog Johnny found on the couch from earlier... This Susie asks what the animals are doing for Christmas, but they're hanging around in cages in a cargo hold. They're circus animals. And then the elephant asks, why would they want to celebrate Christmas? And good on Susie. She opens with baby Jesus. Christmas is a time to celebrate the birth of baby Jesus. A time for selfless generosity and showing others that you care by spending time with them and giving them presents. One time, Amy gave me a knuckle sandwich. That wasn't really a present, though. That's actually, you know, that's one of the things that, um, you know, we, you know, as I said, we were we were homeschooled. So, you know, that was one of the things that, uh, I guess, got mom to kind of back off when she was like, are you watching these cartoons constantly? And we're like, well, mom, they actually, they for once, they actually reference Baby Jesus. Are you okay? So, and she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, all right, there you go. <laughs> Next. There it is. <laughs> Was not expecting her to open with, like, even a Christmas carol doesn't get into Baby Jesus until Christmas present with Tiny Tim. Oh, hey, remember yeah. that guy made the dumb speak? <laughs> exactly. And then, that, you know, it's one of those things that you don't really, a lot of, like, a lot of Christmas specials out there just, like, they're like, oh, well, Christmas is about being nice and uh, pleasant to others and giving people gifts and Santa Claus and all that stuff. And, you know, again, it's not something anyone was ever expecting. And, no. Hey, that's cool. Usually you're lucky if you get a star. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then Susie gives wrapped presents to each of the animals. Is she just picking from the pile of luggage and handing them stuff? I got to assume that's what's happening because there's no way she can fit pockets in that kind of like coat. You, you know, that's not a coat that's packing anything more than like a, a pen or paper, maybe a cell phone or that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like she gives the bear a jar of honey and the, there's a gorilla that she throws several bunches of bananas to, but then they each get a wrapped box from out of nowhere. Like, well, whoever's supposed to get that isn't getting it. Uh, and that's why your checked bags get lost, friends. So away circus animals. <laughs> well, that and the next part, what happens after that is they're all hanging around and playing around out in the open outside the cages. And all of a sudden, somebody hits the cargo door. <laughs> and Yeah, and they all go sailing out of the plane. Yeah, well, the elephant says their only Christmas wish is to be free in the wild, open air again, and Susie ever prepared unlocks their cages with her trusty Buttercup Scout brand skeleton key pocket knife. That fits in her coat pocket. Uh, they get excited, start a dance party. Snake accidentally pulls the switch to open the cargo door, and everybody sails out 
Uh, they managed to land safely thanks to random umbrellas and sheets or whatever, and then the circus animals run free into the wilderness, and we never see them again. Ever. <laughs> nope. We'll be right back with Johnny Bravo. How can you find great holiday gifts? Easy. Go to America Online keyword eBay. You can find a gift for that aspiring director in your family. Get your sis into the swing of things. Or maybe some DVDs for that friend who never gets off the couch. At AOL keyword eBay, you'll find brand new gifts for everyone every time you visit. You can find practically anything and get a great deal right now. You'll even find each and every doll on her wish list. Get all of your holiday shopping done easily with eBay and America Online. So easy to use, no wonder it's number one. You're watching Johnny Bravo on Cartoon Network. But now Johnny and Susie are out in the middle of nowhere, too. Who knows how far from the North Pole at this point. It's still very green-looking outside on Christmas Eve, so probably not that far north. But it's probably mid-Canada or somewhere. <laughs> maybe. Probably still. I would. I guessed Oregon. But oh, that's, that's possible. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know. Susie quickly finds and rebuilds a CB radio that apparently fell out of the cargo hold with them and calls for help under the alias Little Miss Thang. <laughs> quickly gets an answer from Godzilla, a fiery-voiced vixen, according to the suddenly interested Johnny, who then shrieks at the sight of Godzilla who turns out to be a not-shriek-worthy-at-all woman driving a semi-truck. Hey there. Ah! Oh, it's my hair, isn't it? Curse this new hairspray. And voiced by Vanessa Marshall, who's also Wonder Woman in several recent animated movies and shows, along with Mary Jane Watson in The Spectacular Spider-Man and a bunch of other things. I don't really know or recognize her. I'm just looking through IMDb. That also said she may be the voice of Samus in Metroid Prime, but only her screaming when she dies. Which makes sense. I mean, like, do you really hear anything from Samus throughout no, any it's of the just Metroid games? Like, that's the weird thing, at least English-speaking Samus. Or maybe for all of them, I don't know. But you have Vanessa Marshall, who may or may not be her voice, but only her screaming as she dies. The rest is Jennifer Hale, uh, who's also a very, very prolific voice actor. Again, I have daughters, so I know her prominently as Cinderella. But like modern day Cinderella when she's in things now. None of that's confirmed, so maybe, maybe not. Anyway, Johnny's a jerk and can't accept that this truck driving woman's behind the angelic voice he heard over the radio. But the only other person in the truck with her is her niece, Monique, from France. Bonjour. Comment allez-vous? chiquitita. And she is voiced by Pat Music, the voice of Tony from An American Tale, Janine Melnitz in Extreme Ghostbusters. Uh, and she's Mae Whitman's mom, so that's neat. There you go. Yeah. She's only got the one line here, and then beats Johnny Senseless behind the truck as women are wont to do on this show. After she tries and press her over, want to see my abs? It's it's kind of like, it's one of the running jokes that Johnny Bravo has always had, which is just, you know, Johnny is apparently kryptonite to women. Yeah. They're just, nope, 
we're just not doing this at all. Forget it. <laughs> it's like they look at him and they, they it, it fires up the, the hatred. <laughs> and every time he, he runs into a woman, no matter what, they're ready to beat the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah, good on them, but yeah. every time. <laughs> I just like the line, want to see my abs? <laughs> I kind of wish this came out when I was a teenager and I had abs because I would say that all the time. <laughs> While that's happening, uh, Godzilla, for lack of a better name, because she never gives one, that's her trucker name, uh, agrees to give Susie and Johnny a lift to the nearest airport. Johnny has to ride in the back of the truck with Godzilla's other girls. They're pigs. When they get to the airport, Johnny asks around to random pilots about to take off. Could you fly us to the North Pole? No. Until they find one pilot who guesses they've uncovered a secret government plot to stop an alien invasion and happily agrees to take them to the North Pole for that. Let me guess. You've uncovered a secret governmental plot to create alien-human hybrids to combat the oncoming alien invasion. And you're going to the North Pole to uncover the truth. Claws. Nice try, though. So... I didn't realize this until like the day, the other day when I was watching this, that what he's describing, that's the plot of the X-Files movie. Oh, you're right. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm here and just like, this is where the area 51 meme started. No, it's the X-Files movie. Well, now it's funny. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Uh, this pilot's name is Leo, voiced by Dwight Schultz, whom James knows as Reginald Barclay from Star Trek The Next Generation, and I know as Murdoch from the A-Team. That's Leo. Yep. Uh, he takes off in a very rundown plane and asks if the address Susie has lists a latitude or longitude. It doesn't because it's from a cereal box top. And Johnny immediately concludes that it must be a fake address. But I'm thinking it's the North Pole. It's 90 degrees north. That's all you need. But who cares about that? Leo has just accidentally hit a man flying Mary Poppins style in the sky. And it's recurring Johnny Bravo celebrity voiced by his actual self, Johnny Osmond. Hey, Johnny, how the heck are you? Great, Donnie. How the heck are you? Now, Johnny, don't you make me come over there and hug you. I, I don't too know. Late. You two know each other? Unfortunately. <laughs> See, this is one of the things that like I absolutely loved. I watched this this special with a number of people, and it does have like a little bit of a lull period at some points, but like mm-hmm. this is when it starts to get absolutely wacky. Like Wait a second. Why is Donnie Osmond pulling a, 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 a Mary Poppins here? What's what's going on? <laughs> like, wait a second. Donnie Osmond. Are we are we serious here? <laughs> um, and it, again, it's it's a continuity thing. He's run into Donnie Osmond before. Donnie Osmond was his it, basically his his mother decided. You know, I need to have a babysitter for you because I can't control you and I can't keep an eye on all the stuff you're doing. So. She's like she hires Don, uh, a nanny. Donnie Osmond responds to the ad and takes him all over the place. And just like here, he's like perpetually as happy as can be, an optimist. There's absolutely no way you can get him down at all, or you know any kind of sad or upset or anything else like that. So, 
And good on Donny Osmond, the actual Donny Osmond, to just be on board with all of this. <laughs> he is the best sport. Sure seems like it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that explains the Mary Poppins umbrella. I forgot about that. He was basically a nanny. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, he, and he asks what Johnny's doing up that way, but decides, let's, let's all sing while, while we're, we're talking. talking. <laughs> to which Susie happily obliges and serenades us with their mission to deliver Johnny's and his mama's letters to Santa in person. Why are you out here on Christmas Eve? Johnny forgot to mail his family's letters to Santa Claus, so we are here to deliver them. I am the pilot of this airplane, and I'm just along for the ride. The pilot joins in on the song and dance number, and oops, who's flying the plane now? And they're about to crash into a mountain, but Donnie reveals it's a cloaking device to hide Santa's village. Like Wakanda. Of course. <laughs> or Hogwarts, I guess, but going with Wakanda. There you go. So that's what you tell your kids. Why? You look at a map, the North Pole looks like there's nothing there. It's Wakanda. It's cloaked. Sure. They yeah. come. So. <laughs> Plane's not going to crash into the fake mountain. Now it's going to crash into Santa's village. Oh, no. But wait. A pair of tiny reindeer grab the plane by its wings and pull it to safety with their impossible reindeer muscles. And I thought about this and I decided, well, they can pull a sleigh carrying Santa and the world's largest bag of stuff across the planet. Of course, they're going to have the strength to stop a free falling plane. So that tracks. The plane crumbles to pieces, but everyone inside is okay and just in time to catch Santa as he's loading up his sleigh. So, Santa's village is very green. It's it's a medieval brick wall castle, and the bricks are colored this very bright emerald green. Did that stand out to you at all? It did, and, and uh, I kind of, I, I figure it, it's one of those things that helps you distinguish Here's the green and here's the red with Santa Claus, especially. But oh, it's like, yeah. I mean, the elves, they're green and red, too. So it's like, right. Um, I mean, maybe it's a status thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, at first I thought it reminded me of Castle Grayskull, but that wasn't quite right. Then I realized, oh, Santa lives in the Wicked Witch's castle from the Wizard of Oz. That. Wow. Because that's like that same green. Yeah, no, I didn't realize that until now. Yeah. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) And in the Oz universe, Santa lives in the Laughing Valley, which is south of Oz proper. That's true. There you go. Johnny Bravo and the life and adventures of Santa Claus are a shared universe now. It's canon. There you go. It's all in the snow globe. (laughs) So Johnny zips up to him. Hey, Santa, it's me, Johnny. Remember, I'm the one that beat you up last year because I thought you were a burglar. So that's a direct callback. That's what I like. This is all continuous. You don't really see a lot of that with cartoons of this type. No, it's usually like it's one and done. It's it's uh, mm-hmm. almost bottle episode-ish. An elastic universe, if you will. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and Santa complies. He's like, oh, wait, I think I've got something here for you. And grabs like the biggest box and we can find and socks him in the face. Says <laughs> yeah. so he doesn't recall the events, but... From the sound of it, you deserved it. <laughs> uh, now, the voice of Santa in Twas the Night, 
was Tom Bosley from Happy Days. Johnny, I'm angry. Of that, there's no doubt. It's Christmas Eve, Pinhead, and Santa's now out. And they didn't get him back. And I was kind of sad about that, but at least they got another amazing Santa voice in Earl Bowen. Johnny, hold out your hand. No, I can't say I recall that incident, but from the sound of it, I think that was called for. Dr. Silverman from the Terminator movies. And another Trek uh, alumni as well. Yes. And we've heard him as Santa before on this podcast. He was Santa in Pinky and the Brain's Christmas special. He's very good at Santa. Yeah, I like his Santa voice. I like it better than Frank Welker's. Yeah. Every time he's come up, I just haven't liked it. Frank has a gravelly voice. That's kind of a... I, I can't hear Frank and not think of like Optimus Prime. And that's... No, nah, he's Megatron. Oh, that's right. <laughs> a pox on my head. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, it's it's a very... It, he does not come off like once you've heard it as as one thing, it's like stuck in your head. Yeah. It's like how you can't picture Patrick Stewart as anything but Captain Picard now, even though he's been, yep. you know, a thousand of the roles. You know, that's the only thing you're gonna picture him as. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can see that. Well, no, I'll give him, I'll give him Charles. But those two, that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> But he recognizes Susie and Leo and, uh, oh, Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg from the New Kids on the Block. (laughs) Yeah, close enough. I I love that Donnie keeps, he he keeps looking. He's like, you know what? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's me. It's Donnie from the Osmonds. I'm, I'm Donnie. I'm here all the time because he, he's been telling them, Hey, you know, I, I mean, I visit the North Pole all the time. I'm (laughs) Santa's best friend. He keeps trying to drop hints to Santa, like I'm a little bit rock and roll. You know, I'm just I'm big stuff. Rhymes <laughs> with like, shmoney. Exactly. <laughs> and Santa's just like, who? <laughs> oh, that's right. It, it's it's kind of like that 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 uh, that Futurama joke with uh, when the professor lost his memory. He's like, oh yeah, Spender, my friend. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Futurama's got to come up soon. I'll make room for it. If not this year, the next year, we're doing a Futurama one. There you go. So Johnny hands Santa the letters and he reads them. A year's supply of hair gel, a new black t-shirt, a brand new pink Cadillac. And then he reveals that's not Johnny's list. That's his mom's. She only asked for stuff for him. So before Santa can even look at Johnny's list, he grabs it, crumples it up, and swallows it. So Mama must have asked Santa for gifts for me. Besides, I've got your list right here. Whoa, give me that. But Johnny, we came all the way up here so you could ask Santa for your free presents. Yeah, well, things change. But even if Johnny wanted to ask Santa for something for his mama, Santa explains everything's already been matched up with their recipients. Which is a weird way of explaining how Santa works. It's not like, all right, everybody gets so many things and we got to match them all up. But it, the way he made it sound, it sounded random. Yeah, because he's got uh, like, what happens? The, the, the elf comes to him at, at one point. He's like, uh, we got two new additions to the naughty list. Yeah. Oh, OK. Here you go. Have these presents. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, we got two. We got two just freed up. And Johnny asks Santa to give them both to his mama. So I don't know. It's fine. (laughs) 
I mean, you, you, you got to assume like the gifts work in kind of a way like, oh, it's a magic box. It's Schrodinger's present. <laughs> Whatever you want, it's in there. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we can get into the science of uh, how reindeer can pull Santa and everything. It's, it's Schrodinger's sack of toys. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. They're both there and not. That's why it's so lightweight. But, but Johnny's only wish now is that you make my mama happy this year. Oh, and Santa got Leo a new plane so they could get home and Merry Christmas. And that's it for Santa. And we cut right back to Johnny's house, where, of course, his mom is not mad at all on Christmas morning. The important thing is that they're together on Christmas. Which we could have ended it here and it would have been a cute, mushy ending. But no, in comes Susie, Leo and Donny Osmond, who explain Susie told one person about Johnny's selfless act at the North Pole, and that person told two people, and they told two more people, and you get the idea. Oh, yeah. And and now the entire city shows up to wish them a Merry Christmas and throw a dance party at their house. Come on, everybody. Wang Chung. I just like the little dance, little dance numbers that they're all doing when they pan across. Because of course they're going to pan across and see the entire oh, yeah. room full of people, and you've got, of course, everyone's dancing with the uh, the penis dances, especially, yes. yes, especially Johnny. Yeah, he's doing the one where I can't even describe it, but you know, it's the other kid that no one knows his name, and he's kind of like bobbing his head in a nine, not a ninety degree angle, but back and forth with his shoes, the points of his feet facing each other it's it's great exactly and that it's it's one of those things that you don't really know it you're like i don't know who that is but i recognize that dance right now i know exactly what that is yeah and his mama wishing he could only find if only he could find the girl who sees him the way she does while someone he's trying to sweet talk him ties him into a bow stuffs him into a giant stocking and tosses him (laughs) across the room wouldn't have it end any other way really uh and that's it Good pick, James. Thank you. <laughs> I haven't done a lot of early aught stuff on the podcast yet, and this definitely has that vibe, so thanks. Good pick. Any final thoughts on a Johnny Bravo Christmas or Johnny Bravo in general? So one of the things that I really liked about both this and Twas the Night, Twas the Night especially, all the callbacks that, it, that they've gotten here, mm-hmm. but in Twas the Night, there's a there's a little short sequence because Johnny looks and he's like, wait a second, where's that one with the red nose? And <laughs> they pull this, they pull off this cutaway that is just hilarious because you've got Cobra soldiers who are like supposed to be Cobra soldiers, I guess, yeah. like come swarming in, they're like, Get him. The Grinch says we got to take him alive. Don't shoot him. <laughs> and of course, you've got they're firing little like Cobra guns. And of course, and who's firing back? But Rudolph with his red nose, like, you'll never take me alive. <laughs> got to get to Santa. <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> and and they 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 pick up. They finish that up with the two like crossed wire uh, shots. And Johnny's in the sky flying above them, completely oblivious to what's going on below him. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, if people want to attempt to send you something on Christmas Eve and expect you to get it that night, where can they find you on the Internet? They can probably find me on Twitter. Handle is your buddy spooky. 
Perfect. And thank you again for coming on, man. This was great. Hey, thanks for having me. This is amazing. Absolutely. So show notes for all the tangents we went on today at adventcalendar.house. You can follow me on Twitter at adventcalhouse and Instagram at adventcalendarhouse. See y'all in a couple days. Until then, for James Riley, for my magical castle hiding inside a fake mountain, this is Mike Westfall saying, careful of that icy patch. Do the monkey with me. <laughs> Good night. And now, these messages. Have you ever wondered why we sing and eat figgy pudding during the holidays? How does the butter letter from 11th century Rome create the perfect holiday dessert? Join me, Glenn Warren, on Seasons Eatings as we explore the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. So head on over to SeasonsEatingsPodcast.com to subscribe on your podcast app of choice. If you enjoy pop culture past and present, then check out the Retro Network Podcast, or TRN Podcast for short. Hey, it's Jason here, and every Tuesday, Mickey and I react to pop culture headlines that we like to call recurrent events. Stuff like movie and TV reboots, new collectibles, and food. Oh man, we love talking food. Then it's on to our time machine discussion, where we pick a topic and reminisce about retro pop culture. Past topics have included old MTV Music Awards shows, old toy catalogs, extinct snacks and drinks, time capsules based on a certain year, and random stuff like our favorite movie and TV cars, stores at the mall, and Nintendo vs. Sega. So listen to TRN Podcast with Jason and Mickey every Tuesday. It's easy to find us. Just search the Retro Network Podcast channel in your favorite app and subscribe today. You'll also find some other retro shows in the feed on movies, comics, wrestling, and even some game shows with the Retro Network staff. So subscribe to the Retro Network Podcast channel and get the pop culture past and present that you crave. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... 